Welcome to the AIMIT podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Katrin Bekes about the quality of life of an MH patient. MIH is a really important topic. That's why all the experts in this field meet in Munich for the AMIT conference to talk about it, network, and to teach about it. You're all invited. Have now fun listening to this podcast, which is made possible by GC Europe. Welcome to today's show. I'm connected over the internet with Professor Katrin Bekes. Hello. Welcome back, Katrin. Hello, Georg. Thank you very much for the inv invitation. You just published a book about MIAH, and I want to congratulate for that. I probably won't buy it, but I will look through it at the quintessence booth. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I, it was a little bit a dream to publish such a book for practitioners. I wanted to do it uh, for a long time. Thanks to COVID, I had more time last year. And so I got the chance to write all the chapters. It's for the practitioners. We show a lot of step-by-step -step procedures, especially clinical cases and how you can do direct restorations step-by-step, -step, how you can do indirect restorations and how you can treat these patients suffering maybe from hypersensitivity and to give all the dentists or the students a lot of tips about MIH. And it is also in German available and in English? No, it's in German, it's the first German book on MIH. Ah, okay. But to be honest, I already published an English-speaking book on MIH last year with another publisher. In the English book, I was the editor, so I did not write all chapters, but a lot of chapters, but I also invited experts to add some chapters. And these are also the experts that will join and come to Amit. So I think Amit will be a great possibility to see all the experts that work in the field of MIH worldwide. I'm really looking forward to the conference. Actually, I was just uh, last week in Dubai and you basically choose the right time because it won't be 42 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for me, it will be the first time. I'm really looking forward to it, not only to meet all the colleagues that I know well for very many years now, but also to maybe have some time to explore a little bit of the city. Well, the first time is very special in Dubai. <laughs> okay. I'll give you some tips after the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Today, we're going to talk about the quality of life when treating MIH. And actually, everybody has some stories in mind about how kids had an awful life, weren't able to chew, uh, had uh, problems. But how do you actually measure the quality of life, Katrin? Yes, I think we all know MIH. We know what it is now. It's very familiar also in daily practice. But what we all see is that MIH-affected children face a number of difficulties in their daily life due to the porosity in the affected animal and due to masticatory forces, the, the enamel may break down, resulting in unprotective dentin, typical cavities. And we know that hypersensitivity might be a symptom 
as well. And uh, these teas are not only temperature sensitive, but can also cause pain. And we, what we say very easily is that it affects quality of life. But maybe we should think a little bit about what really is quality of life, because the phrase is widely used in everyday life and also in academic writing. When we use it, we, we think that we know what it is meaning. But if we ask ourselves, what does quality of life mean for us? Maybe you, Georg, would answer in a different way that, than I would do it. To say maybe to have family or to have the freedom to make decisions or to go on holiday now because we were not able to go on holiday due to the to the lockdowns and quality of life was defined by the world health organization as the individual's perception of his or her position in life in the context of culture we live in and in our value systems and in relation to our expectations and goal. And now you see a little bit of difficulty. How can we measure such a term? And to come closer to dentistry, we have the special term of oral health-related quality of life. It's the special term for dentistry. It is a part of quality of life. It is a part of health-related quality of life. And it reflects how we can eat, how, can, how we can sleep, how we can engage in social interactions, how we are satisfied with respect to our oral health. So it depends on our oral health. And it has multiple dimensions as well, as I already mentioned, for quality of life. And how we can measure it, it is a concept and we cannot measure it directly. And what we use in dentistry are questionnaires. And now there's the next problem with questionnaires in dentistry because re relating to MIH, we are talking about children. And I think it is what we can all realize that it is a difference if you ask questions to adults than if you ask questions to children because they are in a different stage development. And we have such questionnaires for children. We have for the small children, for the toddlers, we have questionnaires that are answered by the parents. And for the older children, like when they become six and, and older and when they can read and when they can fully understand simple questions, we have questionnaires for them. And one example is the so-called child perceptions questionnaire. We can use such a questionnaire. It has 25 questions and we ask about oral symptoms. We ask about functional limitation, we ask about emotional well-being or social well-being. For example, we ask the child, during the last four weeks, how often did you have pain in your teeth? This would be an example for the oral symptoms. And the child can answer on a scale from never up to every day or very often. So it's never once or twice, sometimes, often or very often. Another question for functional limitations would be, how often did you have problems drinking hot or cold drinks or to eat something? 
and the child can answer on the scale again. And what we do is that every answer, every, every frequency of answer has a score. So never would mean zero and very often every day would mean four points for this answer. And we have 25 questions. So therefore, if the child would answer every question in that way that he uh, encounters this problem very often, he would make 100 points on the scale. And what you can imagine is that a summary score of zero indicates that there are no problems, there is the absence of any problem, and the higher the score is, the more impaired is the quality of life. And the possibility with this questionnaire is now to really measure the impact of a disease, of an oral disease, on quality of life. Not only to go into the interview with the patient, but to measure it and to see it on the paper and to see in what dimension the patient is impaired. I already said we have oral problems and functional limitations. This is more related to the oral facial system, of course, but we also ask questions for emotional and social well-being. So like, how often did you have problems or did not want to open the mouth and did you did not want to smile or how often have you been teased by others or called names by others because of your tease and this is more the social and the emotional component and this we want to measure with these questionnaires as well what we have seen in children with mih that of course they face a number of difficulties and in our clinic we did a small study where we gave this questionnaires to MIH patients and also gave it to healthy patients not showing any MIH, not showing any caries. And what we see were that, of course, the most often ticketed items in these patients were, of course, pain or sensitivity towards cold drinks and foods. It was pain in the teeth or mouth. It was that they needed longer time than others to eat their meals because of their teeth. And of course, and this is a social component, then the fifth often reported problem was that they have been upset because of their teeth. So it's not only the functional and oral dimension, it's also how they look like and how they think, how they, they look like and they are upset um, with this. So, we saw these problems in these MIH children, and we did not see it in the in the healthy children. So with this example, you can already see what information you get from this questionnaire, because sometimes it's very difficult to go into the interview with smaller children. If you ask them what their problem is or what difficulties they might face, they do not have everything in mind. But with this questionnaire, you have the possibility to cover all these dimensions. 
How long does it take to fill out this questionnaire? The questionnaire I mentioned right now, it's a child perceptions questionnaire. It's 25 questions. What we have seen, it's about 10 minutes, eight to 10 minutes that it takes the children. It depends a little bit on the age, how familiar they are with reading. So what we see is that you give it to a child that just started reading. You need to help a little bit. But if you give it to an eight or nine year old child, it, the time um, is, is, is less. But uh, what's usually the MIH score where you know from the questionnaire that you really need to treat something? Uh, can you kind yes. of see where it's moderate or where's, when there's no treatment needed? I already said that you get a score and the, the question is, what is a high score and what is a low score? And is it okay or do we need a treatment? So maybe I can explain that if you give this questionnaire to a healthy child, that where you think this child has no problems. This child will make some points at, with this questionnaire as well. We know that that in one or two questions, this child will also answer that one or two problems are maybe encountered once or twice during the last four weeks. So they have a very low score. It's about six or eight on the scale up to a hundred. But if you give it to MIH patients, there's also a difference to which patient you give it, to which MIH patient, because we know MIH has different severities. And what we can imagine is that a child that has only one opacity on a first permanent molar and maybe hasn't noticed it, this child won't make more points on this questionnaire than a, than a healthy child. In contrast, if you have a child which has great and big opacities in the incisors, maybe yellow, or a child that has very severe molar that is destroyed and has large post-eruptive breakdowns and has a lot of pain, we know that these children make up to 20 points on this scale. What you see is, what we know is that we call it the minimal important difference. So a minimal important difference means is one point in difference really what a child experience? Probably not. But what we know is that with this questionnaire, if you have a difference of five points, then it's really a difference that you feel. And what you can see is I already said you have normally six to eight points and we go over 20 points with the MIH patients. You see that there's a huge difference and that these patients really have have a problem in their, in their quality of life, which you can measure now. Do you think this kind of question is something more academic or could it be useful for the private practice as well? I think it's, it has its advantages for the practice because you can use it in different ways. First of all, you can use it when the patient first shows up to cover a lot of problems. We do not have to ask every question. You, you see it compromised on this questionnaire and you see how the patient answers because what we know that sometimes in the interview they maybe answer not in the correct way if you ask them directly then if they have time to answer it on a paper we know this especially in children in the interview we also know that there are the parents sitting who may want to answer the question then by themselves and do not let the child answer the question and the questionnaire is made in such a way that we want that 
the child answers the questions alone. We take the child into our room and give them enough time to answer it. So you can use it at baseline just to see what is the situation of the patient, but you also have the great chance to use it after treatment because what we know, it's it's not only, we do not only use it in MIH patients, but also if you do prostodontics, we know sometimes the situation that we think from our side, we did everything and everything is fine, but the patient says, no, it does not work. The prosthesis does not work and I still have problems. Then you can use this questionnaire as well to see what is the problem. What is definitely the problem that the patient has? And we can use it in MIH patients as well to see in which questions, in which items, the quality of life increases in seeing the frequency of problems um, decreases. We already did multi-center study with in Vienna and in Germany with, with Norbert Kramer, where we invited children to take part. These children um, had MIH teeth that were hypersensitive. What these children got in this study is that they got a ceiling and we measured quality of life before the treatment, and we measured quality of life at different time points after treatment. And what we could see is that before treatment, they were at a higher scale of the score. They had a higher score, and with the intervention, already one week after the intervention, the score dropped which indicated that their quality of life got better. And especially those items facing on pain and on drinking and eating, we saw that from items that scored like every day or very often, they dropped to never or once or twice. And so you can really see in the different dimension what is happening. I think it's kind of interesting to have even in private practice these kind of questionnaires because, uh, I mean, there are a lot of scores today where we can see where how good the sleep was and whatever. And actually, before I um, see a patient that I would see, for example, it's a 20 or eight, I can be more worried or less <laughs> yeah. or look closer yeah. at the patient. Yeah, maybe I can add something because now we talked a little bit about children and quality of life. Maybe what is interesting is that... The this topic of quality of life in dentistry is not new. We know it now for over 20 years, but it did not start with children. It, it started in the adult population and it's, it is very implemented there right now because we have a lot of questionnaires for the adult population, but uh, the most and widely used one is the so-called OHIP, the Oral Health Impact Profile. The advantage of this questionnaire is that it was originally, of course, developed in, in English, and now we have it in a lot of languages, meaning that you can use it worldwide, and we have it in different lengths. So the original questionnaire was 49 question, and everybody said, okay, you can use it in research, but you cannot use it in private practice because you cannot give every patient a questionnaire of 49 questions. So short versions were developed, and now we have an OHIP version which contains 14 items, but we have also a short, short version, which has only five questions. And I think five or 14 questions is something 
is a burden that we can forward to the, to the patient because it's easily to answer five questions to get a short overview. This five questions focus on the different dimensions. 14 questions are okay as well. And then you get a very brief and short overview what is the problem maybe of the patient. And because we are also and a lot focused on the oral and functional dimensions. And sometimes we forget a little bit the social and emotional dimension. And with this questionnaire, it's, it's easy to cover these dimensions. And I think uh, five or 14 questions are no problem. And it's also, I think, very interesting to use it in therapies to, as I already said, to measure a therapy effect, yeah? to see what was the problem at the, at the beginning and where do we end. And right now we have, especially in the adult population, we have a lot of studies on this, of course, regarding prosthetic dentistry. So what is better to give the patient if one tooth is lost to give him an implant or to give him a bridge. And uh, right now we have so many studies on that where you can see which makes the better quality of life. And we have a lot of oral diseases that are, are now covered. And what is also possible, the more the topic is growing, is that you can compare diseases. You can compare if caries has the same impact like if you have mouth sores or oligodontia so you can compare very different oral diseases and see how this affects quality of life so for me it's like that oral health has and not for me it's, it's for those focusing on oral health related quality of life, i think oral health has two dimensions the one is that is our view what we do as a dentist? We we take the tr traditional indices like what is the DMFT and what is the periodontal index, but the other side is how does the patient himself perceive oral health? How does he see his oral health? And we have to put these two dimensions together because if you to make one more example. When we have a look into a patient's mouth that maybe that has amelogenesis imperfecta, for example, this patient has, from the traditional point of view, it's maybe the situation that his carious index is zero. No carious, nevertheless, he has maybe a hypomaturation or a hypoplasia, the teeth are yellow, they are rough. And he has problems in eating and drinking and also, of course, with the aesthetic part. But we cannot measure this with our traditional indices. And if we would say he, he is carious-free and we compare this patient with a healthy patient who is carious-free, we can assume that their quality of life would be totally different. So I think it, it opens a new way also in pediatric dentistry, not only for MIH patients. We have a lot of oral diseases that we are facing in pediatric dentistry as well. And I think there should be a shift in the next years maybe to implement these questionnaires also in practice and to get a little more information from the patient himself. 
Actually, it's very interesting because with digital workflows, it should be easier to implement that. And it, uh, I think even for the dental team, it could be interesting. For example, the receptionist knows immediately, okay, this is a high score. We have to give him an appointment very soon. Or at the follow-up, he still has a high score. We have to see him again. Or for example, it's a low score. He's fine. We'll have just a different recall rate. And it could yeah. be interesting for the hygienists, for the dentist as well. Yeah. How yeah. did I perform? <laughs> yeah. So what we also have, we do not have it in every country right now, but we have it for Germany, for example, because I already talked about what is a high score and what is a low score. So what is normal and what is not normal? What is the step for the next years also for many countries is to provide what we call representative values. So what is the norm value of a patient? Because I already said also a healthy patient would score in, in a little bit. And we did this for, for Germany and we did this for Austria for the German questionnaires. So we have this norm values. So we have a table where you can see the percentiles. What is the 50s? What, what is what is the normal, the, the 50s percentile and what is below and what is above the score? And therefore we have the the possibility to put it in a range and to see what is the actual patient now facing. Nevertheless, if you don't have this norm values, it still helps. As you already mentioned, Georg, it's, I think it's very easy to implement it in private practice. You give the new patient the anamnesis and you also give him this 14 or 20 questions and then you very easily get information maybe about some part that you would never ask about. Actually, it could be a nice part for the yellow press as well. Germany has <laughs> the healthiest teeth and the happiest patient. <laughs> yes. It's a good topic for a summer hall. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I agree. Vienna scientists found out that in Vienna, the patients are more happy than in Berlin. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It's it's not only about how the patient feels. It's a, it's also it's a little bit about happiness as well. You're right. Yeah. yeah great, uh, Katrin. Actually, didn't quite go in the direction where I thought, but it uh, was a great talk. Uh, we didn't talk so much about MIH directly, which is fine because uh, that's uh, what the conference is for. <laughs> You will also have a lecture there. Do you already know the title of your lecture? I will have two lectures there. I will talk about MIH and quality of life. And I will talk a little bit about the different pictures of MIH and how this may affect quality of life. I already talked a little about that if you have a low severity, probably there won't be so much quality uh, impaired quality of life than in the severe cases. I will show some studies where we investigated therapy effects, not only from the traditional part, but also with quality of life. So this will, will be one topic. And there will be a second lecture where I will focus on the indirect restoration possibilities of MIH and we'll talk a, lot, uh, a little bit about the possibilities of implementing the digital workflow into pediatric dentistry and in MIH patients. Okay, thanks a lot, Katrin, and see you at the AMIT. Thank you very much for the invitation again, and thank you very much for the talk.